Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. I just pray, Lord, that you open up our eyes and our ears to receive your word this morning, and we leave here forever changed. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, we are continuing a series called, um, well, on the book of Colossians, uh, great start, and um, today we're going to talk about uh, not being taken captive, and so what that really looks like. Uh, but before we jump into the scripture, which we're going to do in a quick second, I just want to quickly summarize the book of Colossians, at least from where we started to where we are now. Um, so book of Colossians is called that because of the city of, I don't even know how to say the word, Colossae. Is that, is that cool? Can we all? Colossae. Okay. You guys, you guys are welcome to come up here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll share the stage because I need some help. Um, can we say it all one more time for me? Colossae. So there's a church of Colossae, and it began during Jesus' or Paul's time as a missionary for three years. And it's kind of funny. He actually never visited that city. Um, instead, when he was in Ephesus and he was preaching the gospel there, there was a guy named um, Epaphras um, in the first few verses in Ephesians. And he actually accepted Christ when he was in Ephesus. And when he accepted Christ, he went back to his city and he started a church there. And so that's how kind of Paul got integrated in this church and in this community. And I think it's just a beautiful story that no matter where you are, like God can still use you um, with whatever's happening. And so he plants this church, uh, it's going well, it's growing, it's awesome. A few years later, some people will start joining the church and they don't really have necessarily the right views or the viewpoints. And they start to like bring all this dangerous truth in the church. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit later. But as he outlines his letter, he first starts off by saying who he is. He says, thank you. He prays for them. And then he goes pastor mode, starting in um, chapter 1, verse 15. He talks about who Christ is, right? right? How Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of who God is. And then he continues on, which we're going to talk about today, um, how we shouldn't be held captives by what we're going to call some fake truth. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. It'll be on the screen, uh, but also you can use the Bible in front of you. Um, if you do not have a Bible, you're welcome to take that Bible um, and have that Bible if you would like it. So starting in verse 8, we're, I'm going to read it. You can follow along. It says this, Paul talking to the people there at the church. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and has disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, Colossians chapter 2. So we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to pull four points out of it, and then we're going to do a little recap. So 
our first point that we can pull from verse 8 is check yourself. Or we're going to call it see to it. And in verse 8 it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive uh, philosophy. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll believe random things that are not true, right? Um, and so, um, and for me, I'm just going to share two of them. One of them is a little more serious. One isn't. The first truth is when I was younger, when I was a teenager or a young adult, um, I went to a church, Christian church, preached Jesus, loved Jesus, but I believed this truth that they kind of taught or lived by that if you were hyper-spiritual or super-spiritual, you could do things that weren't necessarily biblical and it was okay, right? So for example, if you are a Christian, you can read whatever you want, watch whatever you want, talk about whatever you want, do whatever you want, but as long as you're spiritual and still balancing that lifestyle with also reading the Word, then you're okay. And so I grew up with this kind of mentality and philosophy, and it really wrecked who I was. But I didn't know that that wasn't necessarily biblical, right? Because God calls us to live holy and to live for him and 100% in, right? But yet I'm hearing like, no, not necessarily. Just make sure you read your Bible or make sure what you're doing isn't causing somebody else to stumble. And, and then so I lived with this idea thinking that I could kind of do whatever I wanted or listen to whatever I want or watch whatever I want and it was totally okay, but then once I read the Bible or I started reading the Bible a little bit more, I realized like, hey, that's not necessarily true. And so I had this weird thing where people in my church were saying this one thing, but yet the Bible was saying something else. And so what do I do, right? I had to search the scriptures and ask myself, I had to see to it, right? Myself, I had to check myself and see, is this the life that I want to live? And the second thing is, which is a little more funnier, who's been to Disneyland before? Anybody? So I grew up in Southern California. So my wife and I, we've had passes. So I've been over there. Uh, easily over 100 times. I know, be jealous. Um, easily over 100 times. Uh, sometimes when we were in college, we would just go and do our homework there because we had passes and it was just so cool. But anyway, now what I'm talking about, when I was younger, um, about seven years old, uh, has anyone ever been on the Jungle Cruise before? So when I was seven years old, I went on the Jungle Cruise, and when we started the cruise, you know how there's the guy, and he's, like, really funny, and he does a whole bunch of, like, funny things, like the backside of water is O2H. I don't know. I've been there too many times. But anyway, um, he said this thing right before we started where he was like, all right, everyone, kids, be careful, right? Because all of these animals are real. And I'm seven years old and we start the cruise. And then I see like a, like a tiger and I'm like freaking out as a seven-year-old. Like, why is nobody else freaking out? Like, it's like feet away from us. What is happening? And then I see hippos and I see piranhas like jumping out of the water. And I'm like, what is going on? And so as a kid, I believed this truth, but I tried to stay cool, right? Because I'm a cool seven-year-old. So I tried not to like show anybody I was scared, but I was scared, right? Because I thought in my mind, in my worldview, that those animals were 100% real. And this person that was telling me was speaking 100% truth, although both of those things were totally wrong. They are not real little kids who are in here. They are not real, okay? You don't have to be scarred like I was. And so sometimes we let these deceptive truths in our mind that aren't necessarily biblical or aren't necessarily Bible verses, but we let them into our hearts and into our minds. We believe them as truth. And sometimes, and I add that funny story because it can be things as serious or like serious things about scripture, but it also goes to be like really funny things as well. But Paul, again in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And that see to it is an active word, right? It's not passive. And our relationship with God is the same way, right? It's not a passive relationship where you can just sit there and grow closer to him, right? It's an active one. See to it, right? Put up roadblocks or things up that are going to help you. And so in this church, 
Uh, there were some truths that were coming in that weren't biblical, and these are some of the truths. So some people came in and they started teaching that Jesus was merely one of the descending figures from God, that there were other people that were equal with Jesus that came from God, and so Jesus wasn't necessarily God, but he was kind of like a prophet. Other people preached that you needed to be circumcised or circumcised in order to go to heaven. Other people believed that you had to observe all the Old Testament laws, and other people strongly avoided anything that was like non-religious, right, or, or uh, really severe punishment. So you have these truths that are seeping in to the church there, and so what do you do with that, right? You see to it that you're not taken captive by those thoughts and those philosophies. So how do you see to it? How do we see to it in our culture that we live in that's constantly permeating truth from everywhere we go, right? That this is 100% correct, or this is the way you need to live, or this is what you need to spend your money on, or this is what your future needs to look like, right? How do we see to it that we're not allowing non-true philosophies, but instead allowing Jesus to change? change and mold who we are. And they're really basic. If you've ever been to Sunday school, they are read your Bible, right? Ask questions, pray. But the most important one that I feel to check yourself is to gather and be intentional about being in each other's lives. Right after this, every Sunday, we have something called Life Group from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And it's just a group of people that are intentional about getting into each other's what we're going to call mess, right? Like if you want to stay clean or, or have the um, look of being clean, then avoid youth life group. But if you want, or life group in general, not the youth, my bad, but um, if you're looking, right, to get fixed or to be changed and be forever different, then life groups are the place for you. Uh, we're going to talk about something really a little bit gross, maybe we've never talked about uh, here on Sunday morning before. So do you know how you know who your real friends are? Um, have you ever hung out with a friend and you're talking with them and they have one nose hair sticking out? Have you ever talked to somebody like that and there's just one nose hair sticking out? And so there are two kinds of people, right? Or three kinds of people, we'll just say. Passive-aggressive people, right, that are like, just doing this, right? Hoping, <laughs> hoping that, like, come on, right? There are the other people that are just, like, fake friends and will just walk away and not tell you, right? And then the third people that are like, hey, man, like, you have a hair sticking out of your nose. And, and, right, and when we're intentional about what's going on, right, that's our relationship with each other, right? We don't necessarily see the sin in our lives all the time. We don't see the nose hair all the time in our lives, but we need that brother and sister who's going to talk to us and who's going to call us out on that and walk us through that in love, right? So, so many times we can't see it ourselves. And so when I was a young adult or high school student and I learned that truth of I could do whatever I wanted as long as I also read the Bible, it took friends in my life to call me out and say, hey, that's actually not right. And so gathering is really important. Uh, we're going to go over really quick just some phrases uh, that Christians, that I, people, like to say that maybe not the most biblical, right? Some truths that have come in um, that maybe not the most correct. The first one is this, the devil made me do it. Um, this is what I call the Adam defense. Um, do you remember when Adam and Eve took the uh, fruit from the garden? And what, does, what was Adam's first response when God called him out? right? She did it. She made me do it, right? Passive, like, it's not my fault. They made me do it. And so sometimes we just did it. Let's own it, yeah? Like, we sinned. We did it. Like, we messed up. Next thing is, the temptation is too strong. I couldn't resist it, right? Whenever I read that, I think of, like, me sitting on the couch, and my ice cream is in the freezer, and, like, 
It's just too hot, right? Temptation's too strong. I can't resist it, which is also not correct, right? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Uh, Next truth that we may believe or teach, God wants you to be happy. That's not necessarily true as well, right? God wants you to have joy, right? Rejoice always. But sometimes he'll take you through valleys that may not make you happy, right? Um, Another thing is money is the root of all evil, right? False, the love of money or the prioritizing of money over Jesus or over your family or over other things may be wrong, but the initial money is not the root of all evil. And then this uh, other one, God must be taking me through this trial for a reason, right? Oh, um, and sometimes it's not necessarily God taking us through the trial. Sometimes it's our own sin taking us through a trial, right? Like if you're driving your car and your car um, just shuts down and you're on the side of the road and then you call AAA and you're like, what happened here? Like, what's going on? And you're like, well, God's just taking me through the trial. Or the guy could also say, or you could just notice that you needed more gas, right? <laughs> and so sometimes it's not that God was taking you through something, but it was that we sinfully or pridefully or whatever is to, are taking ourselves through our own things, right? And we're like, well, God is taking me through this trial, right? And so sometimes we allow these truths to permeate like within us. Um, And then the last one, which I think is kind of funny, is only the most spiritual are attacked this much, right? And I think it's so funny that we're like, oh, I must be like, like the devil must really want me right now, right? (laughs) Or it's like, right, thinking that we're like better than ourselves in some way because we're going through trials. But again, it's like the last one. Sometimes we put ourselves through trials. But I think it's good to understand and think like, is this a Bible verse? Like where in scripture does it say this? And now some more serious truths that we may believe is Jesus is not the only way to heaven, right? I'm sure we've all heard that before. Or our kids come first instead of our marriage. If you're a good person, you'll really get into heaven, Or last, Jesus is okay with my leftovers. And I think that these are all truths uh, that to some extension we've heard before, right? And so we have to go back to verse 8, though, where it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which relies on human tradition. So, And then Paul transitions, and he pivots, and he goes on in verse 9, and he says this, which is our second point. Look to Jesus. He says, For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And here's what he's saying here. Jesus is superior than anything else you will ever experience and trust him. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the remedy. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And so when we, when we find these truths or are confronted with these truths, we need to look to Jesus and go to Jesus. I'm going to read really quickly or not read. I'm going to summarize a story of um, a guy named Peter in the Bible. Uh, he was a disciple of Jesus, and there's this one time where Jesus sends all of his disciples across the river, um, and they're all on a boat, and they're traveling across the river, and Jesus is hanging out on this side of the shore, and he's praying. Um, and then he thinks, hey, it's like in the middle of the night, you know what would be funny? If I walk on the water over to my disciples and I scare them, like really big prank. And so he walks over there, and as he's walking over there, Peter is or they're all like in the boat, and they all think it's a ghost, and they all start freaking out, and they're all a little worried and concerned. And then Jesus says, right, do not be afraid. And, you know, if you're ever afraid, when people say that, you become not afraid, right? And so they then became not afraid. And as they're standing there, and Peter is so wild, and I love his faith. And he looks to Jesus, who's standing on water, and the waves are chaotic on the side. And he looks at Jesus, and he says, if that is you, 
call me out and I will walk on water towards you. First of all, like what in the world is he doing? Like nowhere in history has this ever been done, but I love that, right? In order to do something great, you need to do things that people have never thought about or even done before. And I love Peter's innovativeness in doing this. And so Jesus is like, all right, fine. And so Peter walks on over and he's walking over. And then on this image right here, you could see Peter, he gets distracted. And it says, then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began sinking, which is our next image, and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and picked him up. And so I want to go back to the first slide again really quick. And I want us to really think about where we are in our relationship with God. Because I think it's so easy to think like, okay, I'm going to be on it, right? And when we're reading our Bibles and when we're praying or we just got back from a camp experience or a retreat and we're just so focused on Jesus, right? And we're looking at Jesus and we're loving Jesus and we feel so close and we can feel him, right? And all these truths are, are pointing in on us, but we don't care. We don't care what's going on. We don't care how we look during worship. Like we don't care. And we're just looking at him. And it's this moment of like, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. And then the second image, and then something else happens because we are inherently uh, sinful or people or much like get very distracted very easily. Uh, as we're looking and walking towards Jesus, something shiny on the side comes up and we immediately get distracted. And it says, oh, I know I have 15 pairs of shoes, but five more won't hurt, Right. Um, my friend just posted that they were on vacation all summer long. I'm so like envious of that. I'm so jealous that I can't travel all summer. So-and-so just bought a new car. I, maybe my car, although it's 2018, needs an update, right? Uh, fill up your time with more sports, watching more things, doing more things. You'll actually be more satisfied if you eat a little bit more. So we can get so easily distracted and take our eyes off Jesus. And the media is telling us to live a certain way and act a certain way and do certain things. And you need to fit this criteria, right? And you have to fit. And if you don't, then you're different, right? And so we have all of these truths that are just pulling us, right? Or here's a new show on Netflix. You have to watch it in three days, right? Stranger Things came out. You have to watch it in one day and one sitting. Um, and so I think it's easily like that, right? We're headed towards Jesus, but the waves and life, it distracts us, right? And this truth over here sounds really nice that I don't really need to read my Bible in order to have a strong relationship with Jesus, right? Oh, I don't really need to pray. Or it's okay, I'll just do it tomorrow. And so there are all these truths that pull us from side to side. And we start looking at the waves and then uh, this next slide, and then we fall, right? But what I love about Jesus and what I love about God is although these things, these false truths creep into our marriages and our lives and our minds and ourselves, Jesus is still there picking us up. And it says in Matthew 14, it says, when Peter fell into the water, Jesus picked him up immediately, immediately, right? Didn't wait because he loved him and he cared for him. And I think that's the beautiful part of the gospel. And so whatever truths you're being brought to or, or um, gravitating to, remember to stop looking at those truths and focus on Jesus. And so this quote on the front of your bulletin says this, the chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. The chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. But again, in Christian community, that's one way that we can overcome um, when we feel like we can't.
And so let's move on in our verses where verse 11, our point number three is, remember who you are in Jesus. So Paul starts off, says, hey, watch out for these false truths. See to it. Check yourself. Do whatever you can, right? But also focus on Jesus, right? Look at Jesus before anything else. And he goes on in verse 11, and then he starts to talk about you and me. And he says this, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised you from the dead. All right, so I'm going to bring you back to my childhood a little bit and also to about two weeks ago. So um, have anyone ever seen Lion King before? Can you raise your hand if you have not seen Lion King? Okay, I love everyone in here so much. All right, so we're going to talk about a little story called Lion King. If you haven't seen it, I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. So, um, <laughs> so spoiler alert, watch out. So um, the story starts off with a little baby lion called Simba, right? And so basically, long story short, is his dad is Mufasa. Mufasa is like a really brave, like courageous, like, like kind of like, uh, like, awesome father figure within the movie. And then he has a brother named Scar. I don't know why I'm explaining this. Everyone knows. And so anyway, so we have Scar, and Scar basically tricks Simba into thinking that Simba killed his father. And then he sent hyenas off to kill him, so Simba runs away, and as he's running away, the hyenas are yelling, and never come back, right? Never come back, and they're threatening him. Never come back. And so Simba runs away, and he leaves, and then he finds two little friends called, do you guys know their name? Timon and Pumbaa. And then what is their philosophy? Hakuna Matata, which means? No worries. No worries. And so then he, he, right, Simba was supposed to be the next king in the Pride Lands, right? He was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to rule. He was supposed to be the big deal. He was supposed to do all of these things. But because he was tricked, he left, right? And he left, and then he now living by this philosophy of no worries, of do whatever you want, right? Of it's not that big of a deal. And then eventually as he's doing his thing and he's living life and he's good and he's happy, although you could tell parts in the movie that he's kind of like not happy. But anyway, so um, then his best friend comes over to him and finds him and her, la- her name is Nala and she goes and she finds him and she's like, Simba, we have to go back. It's terrible. Like Scar did all of these things. We have to go back. And he's like, no, I don't want to go back. And so he's then in this field and this awesome baboon, I think it is, named Rafiki finds him and he brings Simba and he talks to him. And he loves him. And then he brings him back to talk to his father. And then his father tells him these things. And he says, you are more than you have become. Remember who you are. And I can't say it in Mufasa's voice, but I'm sure the voice was in your head when I was saying it, right? Remember who you are. And I think we all need that reminder as well. And then the epic song comes on and he runs over back to the pride land and he takes it over and everything is great. And then it rains and then three seconds later, all the grass grows again. And so, um, but in our relationship with God, I think sometimes we need to remember who we are in Jesus. We need to stop a little bit, right? Relax, not be so hard on ourselves and remember who you are in Jesus. So Paul here is saying, don't let the truth take you over Look at Jesus and then also remember who you are in Christ. And he gives us three examples. And the first one is this. He says, in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. What does that mean? That means you are part of his family. And don't forget that. Your sin can't take you out of his family because it wasn't your works that brought you into the family. And so remember that truth, right? 
And then he goes on and he says, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. What does that mean? He's saying you are different. You are new. You are other. You are a new creation, right? Don't hold on to the oldness. Walk in the newness of life. And then Paul goes on and says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised you from the dead, what is he saying there? You have life and life abundantly. So in Jesus, you are part of his family, right? There's five words that I love in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. And the five words are, I am with you always, right? So no matter where you are in your walk with God, or if you've been away a little bit, or if you haven't been as close to him as you were in years past or months past, know and stop for a second. Remember who you are in Jesus. And remember when Jesus pulled Peter out of the water when he failed and when he's looking at the waves, it's the same thing for you and me, right? Jesus is offering to pull you back to him. And remember who you are, that you're part of his family, that you're a new creation, that you're different, that you're holy, right? That you have life and life abundantly. That doesn't mean that in the story of Simba that God has called all of us to be kings, right? Or, or for all hundreds of us to be president of the United States, right? He's called us to be right where he has called us to be, but to live life abundantly in that space. So remember who you are in Jesus. And our last point is this, point number four is, Free people, free people, right? Don't be held captive by these truths that you're going to hear from the world or from yourself, right? Because if you're anything like me, your greatest enemy sometimes isn't the world, right? Sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's your own mind. And so free people, free people. And so we're going to do something. There are going to be some verses on the screen. And we're going to read through these verses. Um, And so I want us to kind of be a little bit excited about them, if that's okay. And so if you don't want to be a little bit excited, uh, you know what cues people really well is cue cards, right? So if a card says something, like, you're going to do it, right? So if there's a card that says praise, right, what are you going to do? So if I go like this, what are you going to do? Yeah, okay, a good try. Um, let's try again. This is a practice run. All right. All right. You guys are awesome. You guys are on it. I'm so proud of you. All right, I'm going to read a few verses. We're going to celebrate these truths that we have in Jesus, um, and then we're going to leave here forever changed, okay? So verse number 13, it says this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. (laughs) And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Awesome. And so what is that saying, right? What does that mean? That means that we can walk in this newness of life. Free people, free people. If you know Jesus and, and, you've, and you felt that relationship and that life-changing experience, right, it's our call to bring people into that. We don't want a holy huddle, but we want an open circle where people are coming in through how we live our lives, right? It says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive. You forgave all of our sins and canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and took it all away, nailing it to the cross. What he's saying is when Jesus came down, 
from heaven to earth and lived this life and died on the cross. When he was on the cross, he took all of our sin and all of our failings and all of our shortcomings. And he took it all upon himself. And he took all of the punishment of sin forever and ever and ever. Your future sin, your past sin, your current sin, right? All the sins in the world, he took it all. And he said, you can now have life and life abundantly. And if you know that truth, awesome. But there are people in this room who may not know that truth, who may not live in that freedom, right? Who are constantly looking at the waves to the left and looking at the waves to the right and feeling like you're a captive to yourself or to these truths that society and the world has put on you instead of living in the freedom that's found only in Jesus. And if you don't know that Jesus, I'm going to encourage you in a few minutes to talk to somebody about that. And really find out where you are in Jesus, right? And then there are some of you who just haven't really been close to Jesus in a while. And free people, free people live in that freedom that God has called you to live in. And our last quote is this, which is also in the front of your bulletin. And it says this, It's time to leave the shackles behind and dance in the freedom of Christ. And so that is our opportunity, right? We get to dance in the freedom of Christ and we get to live life and life abundantly and we get to live life uh, and life freely. And with that responsibility or with those get-tos, we get to bring people into that awesome message and that awesome story. And most times that happens in a gathering, right? It doesn't always happen on Sunday mornings, but it happens outside of Sunday mornings when you're meeting with people, when you're talking with people, and you're getting connected in a life group, right? And you're having those conversations about life. And you're allowing somebody to call out the nose hair that's on your nose, right? And you're loving that. And you're okay with that. That's where life change happens. And that's where Christ is moving and Christ is working. So let's go ahead and pray together. Um, Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for who you are and what you've done. Um, I pray, Lord, that we live uh, in freedom, that we, law, that we walk not as captives, but as those who are mirror images of you. We thank you for your freedom. We thank you for loving us despite us. We thank you for pulling us out of the water, Lord. We thank you for helping us remember who you are, who we are in you, that we are free and loved and forgiven and cared for and part of your family and that you are with us always. Um, I pray, Lord, that as we leave here that we are intentional about our relationship with you. And also pray for those who don't necessarily know Jesus at the moment, Lord, that you would encourage them and speak to their hearts in this moment to find somebody around them to talk to about that. Uh, grateful for you. In Jesus' name I pray.